Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, where when the richest family in town is held hostage, it's not for their money, it's for their intellectual property. Book number 26, Hostage. Can, Can anyone Ed- save Regina Morrow? You know, I told you you were going to mess it up. I said <laughs> I would say it first, and then you would go second. You had one. I thought we could do it at the same time. I thought it would be nice. Yeah, but you—that's th- why you plan it in advance. Can you? So you do it now. Well, no, you've stolen my thunder. Okay. Well, get your I, mojo I would back. like to say it. Okay. Can I get? I'll, I'll get a clean take on this. Okay. It's going to be better than Can what en- you did. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Can anyone, Can anyone say, say Regina, Regina Morrow? Morrow? Okay, you, you did again step on mine, but I that was perfect, you guys. That, works that for was you? everything Thank I you. could have hoped for. Yeah, we're really. professionals, so yeah. No, I'm I'm completely sincere. Everything I could have hoped for. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and with me today are two very special guests that for some reason agreed to do my show. Thank you guys. It's Jack Shepard and Tanner Greenring, the hosts of the wonderful Babysitter's Club Club podcast. Are you guys your show or you has a new name these days? Yeah. Do you want to try and say it, Tanner? It's Same time. The babys- no, you know how we say it. It's the Babysitter's Club Club Mystery Club. We're reading the mysteries now. Yes, which is really exciting because today's book, Hostage, even though we decided to do it at a time when I was totally unaware, perhaps you guys were as well, that the mystery thing was coming, it dovetails really nicely into the whole mystery vibe. You guys are in that in that creepy solving a mystery space. Yeah, I was surprised that this was that you you served us up a Sweet Valley mystery and that it was just a regular Sweet Valley series book. Yeah, how right. many are they of all these mysteries? Are mysteries. Almost none of them. Uh, this book actually kind of stands alone. Uh, there's one other book that kind of gets referenced um, in the sort of subtext, sometimes text of this, where something dramatic happened. A book called "Kidnapped," also an okay. exclamation point book. Oh, right. And later on, there is a special series of the books that are called like super thrillers, where Ooh. where weird crimes happen. That does wow. sound thrilling. They're they're pretty mysterious and they have a special banner, but this book came out at a time before that special banner had been created. But usually on the show, we start out by talking about the guests' uh, f- prior familiarity with the series. So um, I'll start with you, Jack. Would you like to share your uh, previous experience with the Sweet Valley High series? Yeah. Uh, yes, happily. So when I was a young boy, I moved to the United States and my only friend was my cousin, uh, who was a young lady my age. And I spent a lot of time in her room while she watched TV, reading her entire library. Uh, so I read a bunch of Babysitter's Club books, hence the Babysitter's Club podcast. And I also read a number of Sweet Valley High books, um, though at this point, I'm much more of an expert on BSC and Sweet Valley High is still this like distant distant memory but it all comes flooding back um like i have a slightly different view of um elizabeth and jessica than i did at seven um seven these books are a little raunchy for a seven-year-old yeah well that's i mean i don't know we haven't gotten into this but i'm sure that was it was very captivating (laughs) as, as a young lad Here on Sweet Valley Diaries, we often marvel at the fact that the beginning of the book uh, says that the books are for age 12 and up. And even that seems a little bit risque for imagining uh, like a seventh grader uh, pouring over some of these pages. Maybe not this one so much. But how about you, Tanner? Sweet Valley, hi. I read one 
once. Because mm-hmm. on our show, we read all 131 regular series Babysitter's Club books, and we were like, oh no, what do we do now? So what we decided to do was record a few pilots for new shows, pivots, directions we could go in after we ran out of Babysitter's Club books. Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas was to tackle the Sweet Valley High books. So we read one of them and recorded a pilot for a show we call the Sweet Sweet Valley Boys, and then abandoned it. Well, I was thinking about the Sweet Sweet Valley Boys when I read this book because the uh, the gap that you had to jump, you especially Tanner, from uh, from that book having that exposure to these characters in this world to what's happening in uh, no yeah, in yeah, Hostage, yeah. like Bruce Pacman like in the first one was such a bad boy, <laughs> and then Bruce Pacman in this one is like this saint. Yeah, he's a hero, literally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All you get is a, a few little glimpses of Jessica uh, and him having some uh, some repartee. You know, yeah. Jessica doesn't think much of him because they have a history. And Bruce has mostly been a terrible asshole that's in a lot of bad shit in these books. But when it, then he and Regina fell in love and it changed him forever, or at least for now. Um, uh, so yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the cover of this book. Uh, this is an exclamation point book. That's part of, I wanted to give you guys a special one. I feel like the exclamation point books are always a little something special. So is there, so in the Babysitter's Club series, um, most of the covers are done by a gentleman named Hodges Swallow. Yes. Um, Tanner and I like to talk about him. There's, there, it seems like there's a uniformity of style on the SVH covers. Is there an illustrator? Do you, is, do you know about yes. him or her? Or they... There is an illustrator. Okay. His name is James Matthews. Okay. And uh, he is amazing. I mean, he's wonderful. I wish that I could get my portrait painted by him. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, there's some um, uh, like facial perspective issues uh, that's come up recently. But this <laughs> is a, a unique uh, cover in his canon, I would say, in the Babysitter's Club books, which I guess I should add, I read, I devoured as a kid, much more so than Sweet Valley High or Sweet Valley Twins, which is a series where the these same characters are younger. They're actually more like middle school age, more like the Babysitter's Club girls are. Is it um, as raunchy, the Sweet Valley Twins, or is it... <laughs> No, it is not as raunchy. But it um, is as mean. Like, I feel like the Sweet Valley Twins would not get along with any single member of... They would be, like... They would be friends with, like... Remember that babysitting agency that, like, smokes cigarettes? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like that those dudes would hang out with yeah. the Sweet They're Valley They're, like, twins. the terrible popular girls, mostly. Except yeah. for Elizabeth and her friends. But I remember in Sweet Valley Twins, there's a... Um, it's sort of an analog to what in these books is called Pi Beta Alpha, which does come up in this book in passing. And in the Sweet Valley Twins books, it's called the Unicorn Club. Right. Because uh, they couldn't have sororities when they were in middle school. No. In high it's school, it's already totally weird normal. that they have sororities <laughs> in high school. Right, right. Um, but James mostly uh, paints these pictures of two characters kind of standing next to each other on a blank background. And they're, the way that their body language always says something about how they feel about each other. <laughs> uh, like, you know, there's one about Jessica and Bruce where they're standing both looking kind of at the, at the artist, but Bruce sort of has Jessica in kind of a chokehold. And, uh, you know, it's just <laughs> says a little something about the characters. I think um, that's actually what we use for the cover art for Sweet Sweet Valley Boy, except I photoshopped be. my face onto Bruce Pac-Man and Jack's face onto Jessica. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, that's, it's a really special one. Um, the cover of Hostage. On this cover. Uh, we've got a kind of a dark place. And uh, Regina Morrow is, uh, that's Regina. I don't know. So a couple things jump out at me. 
the first is that the gentleman who is obscured on the cover, you see Regina loud and clear. She is shocked because it looks like someone's about to chloroform her in an airport. Um, I know that from the text, not from the right. cover. But the gentleman, you don't see his face at all. But he is dressed like a character that we know very well from a Babysitter's Club cover, uh, who's a gentleman named Travis. Travis, uh, Made yeah. famous in a book called Dawn and the Older Boy. And Travis, Travis's biggest trait, apart from being just kind of a douchebag, is that he wears denim with de- denim. All up and down. The All old down. Um, Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. yeah. Is that what that's called? It's a cool look. Uh, it is. I believe it is. Tanner, so, can you confirm that? Yeah, yeah. Canadian tuxedo. That's cool. This uh, guy's got his, like, his collar is wide open, though. Yeah. Travis was, like, buttoned up. He's a respectable East Coaster, and this is, like, a bad boy West Coaster. It's a good look. Um, <laughs> well, so, you, you guys, I can understand why we're talking about this gentleman standing behind Regina, because this person doesn't really have any anatomy to speak of, but this mm-hmm. has got to be Claire Davis, right? Yeah, it's Claire Davis. The- Claire Davis, who I did you guys notice um, that she's described as this gray-haired older woman who is thirty-five years old? Oh yeah, no, I missed 30s. that. <laughs> it took me like midway through the book because. So we have to tell the listeners who Claire Davis is. Maybe do we have anything else to say about the cover? Because we need to get into the story. Um, uh, Regina Morrow looks like Millie Bobby Brown. And oh, this hmm. th- this scene didn't happen in the book. Uh, what's the guy's name? The artist. James Matthews. James Matthews is lying. This did not happen in the book. Uh, this so didn't happen. See, it's a lie. Him and Hodges went to the same art school. Yeah, they went to the same, the same <laughs> right. art school. Where That's art is all about you guys run into a lot. concealing the truth. Right, right. And I mean, you you inferred, Jack, that this was happening at the airport. Uh, but we also, as the as the viewer, have to just assume that that must be where this happened. Yeah. But... But I don't think there was a rag involved uh, no, at no, the airport. No, it was no a gun. No chloroform. There's a gun. I love that you're trying to move this along. That's not something we do. <laughs> I really like it, and I I endorse it, and I want to help and support. Maybe you her in this. gun. What was her name? Claire. <laughs> Maybe her gun shot chloroform. Well, I don't think she really had a gun because well, she, she just threatens that she has one. She don't shoots make me get at the end. She shoots Bruce she, Pac-Man. She, she I mean, she has one eventually, but yeah. she was in Switzerland at the time. Like, I don't think she took and her gun with her to Switzerland. Airport security in the 80s was nothing. Oh, you could just the 80s, You were right. encouraged to carry a gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were encouraged. Yeah, good point. But wouldn't it be easier to just not have a gun and just tell the stupid 16-year-old girl that you're trying to kidnap that you have one? No, and that's that, true. You know, I think that's what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Nothing against Regina, happen. but I mean, she doesn't push back against this uh, claim of, of a gun or what the hell is going on at all. She just kind of goes with it. Regina's a real wet blanket in this book. She does nothing. Yeah. She does yeah, nothing yeah. to help herself. She gets lots of chances. Yeah. It's like she wanted to be kidnapped. Like, just walk out of the house. Come on. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Or like, call out. I don't know. She's so afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, so in the book Hostage, um, we actually, we had some lead in in the, uh, in the previous book that something was up with Regina Morrow. Regina is supposed to be in Switzerland getting her hearing fixed. And uh, she's gone for a long time. So when a stock boy at the grocery store named Eddie Strong tells Elizabeth that he's seen Regina and he delivered groceries to her house, uh, Elizabeth is very suspicious. That's where we land at the starting mm-hmm. point here. Yeah. 
I like everyone's names in these books. It's very easy to remember. Yeah, Eddie Strong. Eddie Strong. Bruce Peckman. Sky Morrow. Sky Morrow. That's the Sky Morrow. It's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Morrow is Sky Morrow. It's the first and last part of Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Yeah. I know oh that's gosh. where I actually captured that same note. Did you? Oh. I just it just popped into my head just now. <laughs> no, of course I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Who remembers that movie? You, you guys are so in sync, I was willing to go with it. <laughs> and I'm I'm such a fan of your show that I'm ready for you guys to refer to call it an IP freely, you know, like oh, they yeah. got the idea from from Sky Morrow, like uh, whoever Jude Law who's in that movie. Somebody got the idea for it. It must have been true. Yeah. Um so early on in the book, Elizabeth is sure that something's up, and they just waste no time. She just goes over to the uh, Morrow's house to see what's up. This is a thing we're dealing with a lot right now in the Babysitter's Club Mysteries, too, is these like teens deciding that they know better than the local authorities and like well, taking matters into their own hands. The SVHPD is, is hopeless. Oh, my God, yes. They're because- hopeless. Like, they... I understand why they did that in the context of this book. It's the same with the Stony Brook police, for what it's worth. Like, (laughs) Elizabeth calls up. Everybody's a little bit too blasé about this kidnapping and hostage situation in general, including the Wakefields. But Elizabeth calls up the cops at some point and is like, hey, I think my friend has been kidnapped. And they're like, ah, it's probably fine. And that's it. That's the end of the SVHPD. Like, that's it. Apparently, they've gone by the house. So first, Elizabeth goes by the house, and this woman answers the door, uh, who is 35 and has this, auburn like, hair with horrendous gray streaks. elderly beast with, yes. like, gray hair, <laughs> all of 35 years old. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, the, the big thing is that she claims to be Regina's aunt, but yeah. Bruce and Elizabeth both know that Regina's parents are only children. That's a weird one. That comes up a lot. How, yeah. Who knows that about people? But anyway, right. Yeah. And Bruce is sure that she doesn't have a stepsister, which is what uh, Claire, Aunt Claire, claims uh, yeah. to be a stepsister of Sky Morrow when Elizabeth comes to the door. But Regina comes down the stairs. This is what you were referring to, Jack. Right, this is right. like her first opportunity yeah. to do something. She comes down the stairs and Elizabeth sees her. And I, I mean, I have read this book before, but I was like, damn, that was fast. Like, there's great, your proof. This is a great time. I mean, I think that, and this is also pre-cell phones, but I think that the conceit is that if Regina makes any noise, because they have Regina's parents, Sky and whatever, her husband, Moro, in another Mystery. house. Sky and Mister in another house, yeah. Um, and so the idea is that if Regina makes any fuss, her parents will die, and vice versa. So she feels, you know, she feels like she can't do anything. But this would have been a great time, or when the cops came by, for instance, right? Would be a great time. I'm being just held under say duress. Or do anything, right? Yeah. But instead, the cops just say like, "Oh, nothing's going on here. It's just an aunt and a girl. Like nothing." Nothing to be suspicious of. And they call Elizabeth's house and chastise her for bothering to call. He says something really condescending to her, like, uh, next time your little friend doesn't want to come out and talk to you, uh, yeah. Yeah. take it up with her, There's The only thing you need to know is that uh, the kidnapper's car is a beat-up blue Dodge mm-hmm. in Sweet Valley. That's yeah, no right? <laughs> that, those are criminals. That's okay. as low as it gets. <laughs> what is that? Like a... a lawn care person or yeah. something i don't know yeah. like, what's that what's that crime boy we met in the first one in the first sweet valley tanner oh, oh his name uh, is like rick, spider 
Rick, Rick Andover. Uh, yeah. Rick, Rick Andover. Andover. Yeah, maybe he drives a. Be- no, he drives something. Cool. No, he, he drives, drives a sexy car. He drives a Camaro. Yeah. 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 There you go. I'm sorry. Yeah, Rick Andover drives a Camaro. It's, yeah. Uh, so. It's very sexy. It's like one of his Only best help. Pro- traits. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but you're not just saying that. That is literally something that comes up in the book because <laughs> so basically Bruce and Jessica uh, is eventually eventually convinced that this is like a real problem and Elizabeth like go into a whole like mystery solving mode and part of their plan is they're going to use the fact that Eddie Strong delivers groceries to like find out when the right. next grocery delivery is and slip a note to Regina. And when they're deciding that Bruce is going to pose as the the delivery boy they're like well what are we gonna do with my car because nobody would believe that a delivery boy drives a oh, porsche yeah. Right. yeah a black porsche that's good and they're all like ha 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 you're right <laughs> yeah good this actually happened to me recently i have some friends that made a web series and they had a pizza delivery boy and they asked me if they could use my car because their cars are both too nice oh, both are, i thought both you're gonna say you're like sorry yeah. it's a black porsche <laughs> no no i drive a uh a Chevy Aveo. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Very cool. So, I don't know so what you, that looks you, like, but it sounds yeah. cool. It sounds like it's from the future or something. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So you identified with these guys. The, what are they called? The Dentons? The Densons? The Densons. Densons, yeah. yeah. You're like, these are my people. Mitch and Phil. No, Mitch. no. No. That I Don't put that on me. Okay. Because they have a very devious plan. Oh my god, it's so complicated. I was actually reading this and I was like, how on earth are we going to recap this for the listeners? Because I don't really think I understand it. Well, Tanner and I are really good at recapping things real fast. I don't have a clock. Uh, but like, did you guys understand what was going on with the microchip yeah, situation? I can tell you. <laughs> oh, good. Mitch Denson. Is his name Mitch? No, yeah, Mitch, is Mitch, no Mitch, Mitch is the son. No, Mitch is the son, yeah. Phil. We'll get to Mitch. Phil Denson. Phil, Phil Denson. De- Phil Denson used to work at a uh, tech company with Mr. Morrow. It's his Mis- company. Uh, but Mr. Morrow fired him, and Mr. Morrow- For embezzling. Had, for embezzling. Mr. Morrow has since developed a secret microchip that is going to change computing, and Denson has the dual purpose of ruining Morrow's life and also- uh, making lots of money, and so he, along with this person Claire, I don't know what their relationship is. Hatch a plan Lovers. to. Uh, it's unclear. It is no, not. They, they say in the book that she's his girlfriend. Okay. Do they? Yeah. Doesn't say they love each other. I mean, <laughs> that's true. I didn't say they love each other. I said they were lovers. Okay. It's a highly a good, technical term. He makes a good point. He and Claire hatch a plan to keep the parents of Regina and Regina in two separate places. So the, they, they can't try to escape because they're both afraid that the other will be killed. Yes. And, um, and then they'll just take Regina at some point into the factory to get the microchip. Like That's the, the plans for the microchip. Sell it to someone in Rio de Janeiro. Right. Yeah. And, and then, then make they'll... a lot of money and ruin the company and probably kill everybody. Sitting uh, on the beach making 10%. That's what Hans Gruber says in Die Hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that sounds what? like probably his plan. Did yeah. Die Hard come out before this or after? Die Hard is... 89? 89 is what I was going to guess, and this is definitely before that. There you go. I'm going to look it up. All right. Up. More IP. Uh, Are you saying Tanner Googles on this show? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't get I mean, your listen. song on this show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am embarrassed on Tanner's behalf, and I apologize. 88. <laughs> 88, there you go. Oh, we were all so close. Yeah. Good job, the three of us. <laughs> uh, so 
Yeah, so that's the plan. Um, but there's a fatal flaw in the plan, which is that there is another Morrow child, Nicholas Morrow, who he's just, uh, they didn't even try to like get him out of the picture. He's just he's up a in real San Francisco. dish, too. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a sexy man. Oh, and he's a dish. Yeah, he's a snack. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, which is it? I feel like a, like a dish is more than a snack, right? Yeah, he's a full dish because he, he's got these sh- shoulders on him. Both of them. He has both of them. And um, and he wears... I mean, I'm a bigger so, guy than Jack, so he's a snack for me, a dish for Jack. Yeah, he would be a dip, full dish for me, a snack for Tanner. Um, I So he's got very nice shoulders, and he tell me what you guys get from this. It says, he was wearing track shorts and a cut-off t-shirt. Jessica thought he looked terrific, though his small talk needed a little bit of refining. Let's no, not concentrate not on Nicholas. the small talk. That's Stop. nothing. You're Wait. talking about the wrong guy. That's Oh, Mitch. that's... Is that Mitch? Oh, he's the dish. Yeah, Nicholas would never dress like that. He's the he's the dish. Yeah. Nick is the snack for me. Nick is handsome okay. too. For Tanner, you he would be an at like a I don't know, a fucking appetizer. He'd be like one of those little cheeses that French people eat. Party cheese. Yeah. Like b- before dinner or like after? As a dessert like, like a dessert cheese. Oh, okay. Wait, a drink cheese? Did you say? Say a what cheese, that? not like a cheese you drink. I think he means like a cheese that you would have with drinks. Like a little che- square of cheese that you would have with a glass of Sauvignon. Yeah, wine. and you don't even remember it. But he does He does do, um, are we allowed to say this on your show? He does do a kissing with um, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And it seems like they have a history and Elizabeth was like not interested. Pretty much everybody at fucking Sweet Valley High could be my boyfriend and I don't need you, even though you're 18. Um, but he does need to do a kissing with her to yeah. to hide the Run fact the that they're s- staking out some like cold blooded murderers outside. Yeah. Right. Home. Yeah. So the Bruce and Nick, or uh, not Nick yet, Bruce and Liz and Jessica like call Nick and they don't tell him what's wrong. They're just like, you have to get down. It's too complicated to explain. You have to drive back down to Sweet Valley right now. And apparently Nicholas comes back and he's heard the whole story. Um, what we didn't tell the listeners yet is that Eddie Strong and that whole ruse with the groceries got a magazine into the hands of Regina that had a note that said, tell us what happened. And we find out, you know, what happened to Regina. And Nicholas reads the note. Everybody reads the note and is just like super freaked out about uh, how serious this all really is. Still don't like take the note to the cops or anything because I guess... Claire Davis said, don't do that. They don't trust cops. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah, these Uh, cops don't seem great. I don't, I'm realizing I don't know what Nicholas's eye color is. Everybody in the book, you get their eye color. Do you want me to Google it? Uh Nicholas Morrow's eye color. I think they're, I think they're like gray. Well, it's either gray, aqua, or hazel. Those are the, those are the colors. Have you, have you talked about this on your show before? Because every single person is introduced and, and then dutifully Francine, or in this case, Kate William gives, gives the eye color. And it's, it's. I but was a Nicholas, little bit I weird, surprised to hear that Regina had blue eyes in this book. I didn't remember that. It didn't seem like they She's talked about her blue eyes. Blue. There are a lot the of time. aqua eyes. Is there a hierarchy? Yeah, the Wakefield have aqua eyes. Does it? Is it? It shows power. There's a hierarchy of eye colors. It's got to be oh, aqua yeah. at t- the top. It's aqua is be at the aqua top. At the very. That's what top. I would think. And then I would put hazel underneath that, just based on yeah, the, my yeah. limited experience with this book. And then blue is just like pfft, dime a dozen. Not sure, so, sure. So that that does, speaks ill of um, Regina, I think. I'm looking so, at a picture and, of Nicholas Morrow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you got a picture. A picture. Yeah, yeah. Photograph. Yeah. How do you describe Aqua? <laughs> it's hard to see his eyes exactly. Um, I guess like I'll just kind of hold it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he. So he's a. He's on the ra- playing for the Raiders. He plays there. for the Raiders. Yeah. Zero. Um, what is he? American receiver? football linebacker for the he's Oakland a Raiders. Yeah. He played at Greenville University. It sounds like. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think he's following in his father's footsteps. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Morrow was originally a professional football player. Oh, right. Yeah. It's a true thing about Mr. Morrow. Beautiful. Uh, listeners, uh, Google Nicholas Morrow if you want to know what the hell we're talking about right now. But brown eyes is what we're saying. We'll have to check. But I will say that even though brown eyes, generally speaking, is probably like a like low on the totem pole, there is a subset of brown eyes that is called coffee-colored eyes. Okay. In, and that's the, in these books? Yeah. Yeah, that's high. No, I think that's the, the sense I'm getting here is that um that like if it's an it's if it's just a color oh even God. if it's mm-hmm. a cool one that's that's nothing. But if it's if it's more metaphor then we these are good eyes and this person is powerful. Yes, Tanner. What is it, Tanner? something with us. I ended up on the actual Nicol, Nicholas Morrow's Wikipedia page and I learned a secret about him and his sister. Oh no, Tanner, no. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. We can't talk about it at all, except for this. Listeners, don't Google it. It's really bad. It's not incest or anything, Jack. I can it's tell by incest. the look on I'm your face. I'm shook, though. I'm shook. Oh, I'm my God. I'm sorry. It's really hard. It's maybe the worst thing that ever happens in Sweet Valley. Okay. Wow. Okay, I'm curious, but... Yeah. All right, let's stay Google on Google it afterward. Wow. Yeah, that's a whole. That's another, another uh, drama for another day. Um. Uh, but that book involves a lot of poetry, Jack, so I think you, that you'll enjoy it when oh, you get there. Hell yeah. um, or the one afterwards, uh, some Elizabeth Barrett Browning, oh, favorite poet, the poet lovely. laureate of uh, Sweet Valley High. Oh, really? Is that is Elizabeth mm-hmm. is into it? Into E.B. Yeah. Browning? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That tracks. Nicholas, though, has this weird thing in this book where he keeps on talking about wanting to physically injure the people that uh, did the kidnapping, which is normal and everything. It's just that he keeps on going back to it. Like when he first... Uh, talks about how angry he is. He first finds out what happens. He says, I'm going to read. What I don't know, Nicholas said darkly, is what kind of jerk would do something like this. It makes me so angry. A shudder ran through him. language, Nicholas? Bruce has been wonderful, he added quietly. I wanted to go home and just punch this Claire in the face. And I would have too if Bruce hadn't held me down. Yikes. So, wow, Nicholas. So aggressive. What do you call her? A jerk? A jerk, I know. What kind oh, of jerk would do something like this? The kidnapped his sister and parents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She is a jerk. I think we can all agree she's a jerk. It's fair in this case. I did notice that they do do some light swearing in this book. Oh, yeah. There's a point where Nicholas says, like, these damn bushes are yeah. in my way. And I was and like, they say huh. the H word. Mm, it's just it's a serious book. I feel like it's abnormal, the amount of swearing. It's just not something I'm used to coming from the Babysitter's Club. No, but you should, wouldn't be used to it if you were reading more Sweet Valley High novels either, because it doesn't happen a whole lot. Okay. Like, a lot of, like, scary and racy things happen, but cursing does not happen very much. The worst curse that happens in um, Babysitter's Club is bullfrogs. Bullfrog. <laughs> that almost never comes up in these books. <laughs> but yeah, so Nicholas and Elizabeth, at one point, are staking out the house, trying to find out like what's going on like right after nicholas gets back and that's when nicholas is like sees this blue dodge and they know that they're going to be spotted so nicholas kisses elizabeth no. but that ends up not being a plot point at all no elizabeth understood what needed to happen 
I think they're just being professionals in, in, in this. That was the yeah. the best thing to do and the smartest thing to do. And they had literally the worst and the least successful rescue scheme of all time. And it was a total failure. And they did a bad job from start to finish. And I feel like we should address that. Sure, like they're sure. Treated as heroes. But like <laughs> every single phase of their plan ended up with the physical one fight. of one of the kidnappers holding them all at gunpoint yeah. and being able to shoot them if he or she wanted to. And at one point, but, some, one mm-hmm. of them does. Some, one of them and does. does. And it's like I don't yeah. know. Just get the cops involved. Your plan was well, fucking terrible. It yeah, was a luckily total that person is bad at shooting. Yeah, because uh, she misses. Yeah. But before we get to the the bad rescue plan, we need to get to the the brilliant part of the rescue plan, which is the whole honeypot angle. Oh yeah, this works. Jessica d- kills it. Yeah, finally something that Jessica can use her skills for. Like you know, Jessica in this book is like not really down for everything until she like she talks about how she reads Agatha Christie novels on the beach which yeah, is a right. real shocker to me yeah, yeah i know i don't buy it she doesn't read on the beach like Jessica she would get was so made fun of great in this book she was a breath of fresh air after uh, what did we read double love yeah she was mm-hmm. after double love it's she's just like she's b word she was very difficult in double love very very difficult and yeah she's very difficult in almost every book in this series but here she's really put to good use um unfortunately uh bruce is the one who has this idea like oh jessica can uh, use her feminine wiles but like she kind of already wants to because we have this description of uh mitch uh what's her last name denson mitch Denson. denson Yeah, so he's a dish. He's a dish. Oh, now you think he's a dish? That's what I'm saying. He's a dish. No, but he's he's skinny. No, listen. (sighs) He's like a scrawny boy with big shoulders. He's a but he's got he wears. I could pop in my mouth and eat him like a. But this is what I want to ask you. He's a guy who's wearing the a coconut crab. I said shrimp, coconut shrimp. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I meant popcorn shrimp. He's (laughs) he's. He's the guy who's wearing the cutoff T-shirt, right? And yeah. what I want to ask you is, what does that mean? Does it mean it's cut off at the midriff or cut off at the? Is that what <laughs> it means? I think you it's go gotta be way. midriff. It's gotta well, be midriff. That, what do you What do you want from me? That, so he, I looks, think you could cut it off just above the nipples and wear it like from here oh. down. And you're saying that's just a snack for you. That's just, some, that's just a light. That's not even going to ruin your dinner. No. Well, you guys, the first time Mitch Denson appears, he's bare chested. He's mowing the lawn with no shirt on at all. He's mowing the lawn with no shirt on. I'm going to read it to okay. give listeners Thank the full you. picture. All right. When we, You're do welcome. We, do, we do, a war- do we do a warning? Do your listeners not read the book along with you? A warning could be good. Yeah. But, the, you know, okay. the well, listeners to Sweet Valley Diaries are used to some pretty racy, uh, racy stuff when we what start we, talking about boys. May I, dr- may I address them? The, yeah. What do we call the? What do we have? What a do name we call for? Yeah, listeners. I don't have anything cute. You want? You want to have a suggestion? Sweet Valerie Diaries. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think they're mostly female, but. Tanner, uh. <laughs> pull up rhyme Sweeties. zones. Is that what we called ours? <laughs> I can't remember what we called ours. I mean, uh, the the gladiators. I think is the team name for Sweet Valley. That's nice. High, so right, that's we call good. them gladiators. Gladiators. I hope that's right. I'm really not sure. You'll you'll know this from your um, from your social media. Um, but what may happen when you hear this passage read is what is is referred to as hashtag swoon. So if you're prone to hashtag swooning, everyone's saying it on social media. It's very no common, and it's something that people do say no and look it up, and it's common, and no all the kids it. are saying it. But 
if that's something that might happen, just be prepared because that is definitely going to happen. Please. I don't think really, people really even use hashtags that much anymore. Well, you, but you, when you say it out loud, hashtag swoon. Yeah. That's a, that is a thing. I'm certain. Yeah, I don't think anyone says that, but. Okay. Mitch did make me hashtag swoon. Yeah. He's very handsome and he does arm stuff with Jessica. Yeah, and he has his shirt cut, cut off just above the nipples. Just above the nipples. Yeah, which right. is I even think it better. Goes maybe yeah. just above the nipples to <laughs> yeah. just above the navel. Yeah. Wow. Wait, oh, so how like does it stay v- on his v- shoulders? V- is, is... It's not on his shoulders. It's like a tube top. <laughs> but it's a tube top that doesn't cover his nipples. Oh no, it's no, going it above his nipples. nipples. I get it. Okay, just, I was picturing just, just, just under just the nipples, so nipples. just above the navel. Yeah, just like a strip of fabric yeah. around that kind of that okay. section. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Jack, oh yeah. is, Jack is fanning himself. Jack, take a moment. Very, I know, <laughs> hashtag swoon indeed. All right, but this, I mean, fan yourself a little yeah. more because he's not wearing even that okay. at this point in Uh-oh. the book. Okay. So they found out where the Densons live, this uh, this bad man, this Phil Denson man. Uh, he, he, oh, he was in prison. He was in prison and he was released from prison. And oh my God, that was the guy driving the blue Dodge. I finally realized it, Nicholas says. Uh, so then they're at his house because they look him up in the phone book and his address is... Uh, is in the phone book, like it would have been. Uh, Bruce stopped his Porsche across. I should say Porsche. What do you guys think? I say Porsche, but I'm. I say Porsche ignorant. because that's what Bahad Baby. That's says. what people say <laughs> uh-huh. in her song. Okay, uh, it sounds affected to say Porsche. You know. Yeah. All right. I have the same problem with the the um, piece of literature by Mallory, "La Mort d'Arthur." Oh, sure. I like mm-hmm. to say La Morte d'Arthur. Pretty much any time we're getting into affected. French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. very difficult to uh, to get into French titles uh, yeah. and like show off your pronunciation yeah. skills without feeling like a total asshole. Oh, Jack has no issue with that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bruce stopped his Porsche across from 1386 Lakewood Drive. It was a small, plain-looking house with a short side driveway leading up to a wooden side door. Nothing special at all, a house like every other one on the block. That can't be Philip Denson, Jessica said lightly, pointing at the bare-chested young man mowing the front lawn. He had sandy hair and was good-looking, but didn't look much older than Bruce or Nicholas. Snack. It goes on. Does Denson have a son? Elizabeth asked. If that guy is Denson's son, this is our lucky day, Bruce grinned. Uh, by which he means that they have Jessica, who she's going to ensnare him in her in her trap. And Jessica is like kind of okay with that because, as the story continues, up close the boy was even better looking than Jessica had first thought, with thick, sandy blonde hair and bright hazel eyes. But something in his expression made him seem aloof. So pretty sexy all around, yeah. I'd say. Mitch Denson. It's a full dish, and I think that there's something there. There, there is something there between them. Jessica is there to solve mysteries, yeah, and eat mm-hmm. snacks, yeah, and she's she's solved all her mysteries. <laughs> I love it. That's good. oh my gosh, that's oh I feel like that needs to be a new like catchphrase or T-shirt or something. It's it's a little <laughs> bit high concept, but I really like it um, because you have to understand that we are not talking about literal snacks. Jessica would almost never eat a real snack oh no 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 yeah sexual food snacks a sexual snack absolutely uh the the verbiage that we usually hear is that she wraps men around her finger that's Mm. almost always the uh the metaphor that's used 
And that feels good to the man? I don't think they like it, but they can't control they can't control their bodies just do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what part if I like, don't want to get crude, but what part of the man? The whole man, Tanner. Wrapping around her finger? The whole man. I, yeah, oh, I think Jack's man. right. Yeah. yeah. She's got really okay. big fingers. I mean, what you don't know, because it's all in the subtext and you guys have only read one other of these books, is that Jessica and Elizabeth, like everybody in Sweet Valley, they're like really giant people yeah, like they're all <laughs> like godzilla sized yeah, people yeah. so you can picture it now right yeah i think we thought they were cars in our yeah. one <laughs> attempt oh my gosh cars we, are very very important in this book as we we referenced not just this book sorry this whole series the cars are very important uh they get mentioned rarely a character comes up without their car name being mentioned but jessica in this scene was able to kind of like what does she say to Mitch? She tells him that she's like a census worker. That's her cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's also my tends to be my pickup line. Yeah. In general. It's just people <laughs> you're people at the really bar and love you're like, that. Yeah. I'm a census worker. Can I get your uh full name and uh phone number and blood type? <laughs> yeah, some of the she tries to throw him off this trail of being suspicious. I think I think Mitch is probably stupid um but also he's like entranced by Jessica this is her power right but she she tries to throw him off by asking him some really dumb questions but um he he always says his dad's asleep um but she gets she finds out enough to know he catches her looking in the window later yeah um but but then they they kind of hit it off I think she she ends up kind of liking him right even though he's in on a like a potential murder plot it's because he's a snack. He is a snack, and that's the thing. That's how far being a snack. Did you will see get. him wearing that like cut off like, yeah. jersey while he was mowing the lawn. Yeah. No, I did see it. I did see it. I pictured it. <laughs> and Jessica saw it too. Yeah, Jessica doesn't seem worried at all that he's a part of this weird kidnapping plot, even though she knows for sure that he is aware because she can tell he's lying about his dad to cover to cover up what's going on. Like, why does he think the Morrows are in the living room? He's clearly up to something. But she's really ready to to forgive him, like pretty much anything. And it turns out that she's kind of right because later on when the teens like try to save the day, Mitch comes up and Jessica's like spell over Mitch comes up again and Mitch like steps up and and helps them out in their mission. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he like tackles his father. Yeah. It's not just a snack. He's a healthy snack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really good. Um, so uh, we should talk about that, but, um, first there's something important that we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about Regina very much because she's just, she doesn't appear that much in the book. Nothing in this book. She does nothing. She's just sort of like cowering, cowering in the corner every time we cut to her. I totally remember a character called Regina and I am ready to talk about her. (laughs) Well, um, Mm -hmm. that's good. Okay. Well, take it away, Tanner. (laughs) She's on the cover, Tanner. Oh, she's the girl who gets kidnapped. Yes, you recall. That's exactly right. She's paralyzed. She has Stockholm Syndrome. She <laughs> she can't do anything. She's afraid to do anything. Um, she- but she does leave them this letter that they've read a few times in the car. Like it comes up. The, they slipped her a note. She passed them a note. And in the note, she gives them an important detail. It's like this mystery clue, the big mystery clue. And that is that there is this weird code that she can't quite make up. Now, remember that um, Regina, it was recently deaf and now has most of her hearing back. Right. Uh, right. So that's a big deal. But the 
the book doesn't make too much hay out of that uh, miracle of science. But she keeps on hearing them talk about something uh, called money is heaven. Right. So what do you guys think of that? I mean, money is heaven. Yeah, money is heaven. I thought this was by far the coolest part of this book. The money is heaven subplot is what made it feel like a mystery to me. Um, This phrase is repeated over and over again. It's a subtle nod to uh, the time when Rick Andover uh, runs into uh, Jessica, I think, in Sweet Valley High number one, Double Love. That's correct, yes. Hey, heaven, can you show me the way to Mars? Mm -hmm. Mars. Um, Which is such a lovely callback. But also, if as anybody listening to this knows, if you say it three times real fast, it sounds a lot like Monday at 7. And Should that, we try it? Money. No wait. Money is heaven. Money is heaven. Money is heaven. Do you hear it, listeners? You, it, money is heaven. She's also um, she's still partially deaf, right? Yeah. So it's like she's not hearing it co- entirely clear. Yeah. And the the slight problem. So it's a cool thing that the case gets cracked wide open when Jessica. I think Jessica figures. It's out Jessica. Yeah. She realizes because yeah. they they're ready book. to abandon the clue altogether because they're like it doesn't make any sense. We can't make heads or tails of it. Um, but Jessica suddenly like realizes it, and she tells them all to cover their ears. Oh yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. I will say covers that- her, and she's like, "Monkey is semen." <laughs> and they're, like, they're like, "No, what? Why did you say that?" And then she's like, "We cracked this <laughs> wide open. Next stop, the zoo." But I, so here's my problem. This is like a, just a small quibble with this. Is that. I thought it was really cool because I was like, what does money is heaven mean? It's so much intrigue. It's spies. Mm-hmm. It's like a cool spy catchphrase. But when you find out what it is, it it demystifies the spies. And they were just actually telling each other exactly when and where to meet. And right. Regina just misunderstood it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. poor Regina. I'm still a little <laughs> bit deaf, even after yeah. all she's been through. Yeah. And we'll it's go not through. like a dead drop, you know. It's not some place where they're gonna like meet up to like collect the next clue. Yeah, it's just the place where the thing is happening, and it yeah. blows the case wide open. Yeah. But to me, the other really significant thing worth mentioning about Money Is Heaven is that um, it makes sense that any teen in Sweet Valley would think that's what people were talking about. I mean, right. it does kind of sound like just that's normal why conversation. I, was I think that's any- how they say hello yeah. in Sweet Valley. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any of us hearing that would have been like that. That must be. A- a misunderstood phrase. Yeah. But they were just like, yeah, that's that's something we say to each other all the time. That's why it's so remarkable that Jessica's the one who figures it out because if anybody thinks money is heaven, it's Jessica. It's basically her main MO for almost every book. Yeah. Uh, just chasing that paper. Yeah. Does she have a job? Sometimes she has a job. She was recently working for uh, a computer dating service um, that I, I believe is called um, the Computer Dating Service. Is the, com- <laughs> the company name of uh, of the computer dating service? CDS. That sounds good. Yeah. you can out. come on and you can date computers. <laughs> Ooh, that's in the that's in the twenty first century uh, rewrite of this series. That's what that's what happens. It's a little bit dystopian because that that's real hot right now for like YA, uh, but. No, she she really abuses her power at the computer dating service and uses it try, to try to set her uh, brother up and then herself up on dates. And instead of getting a comeuppance because of that gross misuse of her position, she just quits before she can oh. get in trouble. Because she's made the money back to pay for the dress that she had charged to her parents' credit card. And now uh, you know what happened with Jessica's job. I'm glad her parents are laying down the law, finally. <laughs> yeah. 
so once they crack the code, they know that Monday at seven is the time that this whole thing is going to go down where uh, I guess, I don't know how much of it they figure out, but they break up into teams. Poor Nicholas is stationed at a payphone and he's going to like watch the computer place. I can't think of the word for the place where Mr. Morrow works. They keep calling it the factory, but it's a computer chip factory or they call it a plant. A plant, yeah. And they're they're just stealing plans, not the actual chip. But this woman, Claire, Aunt Claire and Regina, are going to go and try to get the plans. And so right. the, they break up into teams, and Nicholas is, to stay, is like staked so out. so convoluted, yeah. Yeah, it is really convoluted. And they don't have too much more of a plan other than, like, we're going to go try to stop them. Yeah, it's terrible. Right, Nicholas, like, Nicholas goes to the plant with... Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> and Bruce and Jessica go to uh the Denson house, yeah. The Denson house, right. And they and they decide that the thing is that they're going to like fight Mr. Denson or something. Well, they don't they're like sure that Denson is also going to be at the plant. So they come into the house. Jessica has made plans to meet up with Mitch to try to get him away from the house, but he right. he won't leave. She's got a few more questions about the census. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And Mitch is like, "Oh, tell me more." <laughs> <laughs> she distracts him while Bruce sneaks in. And actually, can I read the scene? Because it's super Please. exciting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gripping. So what happens is as soon as Bruce gets inside and Jessica and Mitch then follow him in, suddenly Phil Denson's car comes squealing around the corner. Like, and, and Denson's inside. Oh, no. Like, their whole plan falls apart instantly. So this is the beginning of chapter 11. Don't move, any of you, Denson growled, pointing his gun at the group and running his eyes meanly around the room. Do you hear me? If one person moves, I'm going to start shooting. Jessica shivered. She didn't like the look on Denson's face one bit. Because he's got those mean, meanly looking eyes. That's was, terrifying. Yes, that's right. Bruce was behind her, his hand pressing hard on her arm. We've got to make a run for it, he whispered against her ear. I'm going to try to block him. See if you can get to the jeep. Shut up, Denson yelled, pointing the gun directly at Jessica. Didn't you hear what I said? No one moves in here, and no one talks either. Jessica froze. The gun was pointing straight at her chest. She felt as though the air were pushing in on her. It hurt even to breathe, she was so scared. Leave her alone, Dad, Mitch yelled. (laughs) And to Jessica's disbelief, he lunged forward, knocking the gun out of his father's hand and sending him sprawling on the living room floor. Come on, Bruce cried. Let's go. Grabbing Mrs. Morrow by the hand, he spun around. He charged through the front door and across the Denson's lawn to the street where the jeep was parked. Uh, and then Jessica freezes for a second, but it's exciting. It's exciting. And, Mitch. exciting. and Mitch's, Mitch's story arc in this, his character arc, is, is by far the most developed and, and wonderful of any character. It's just like you see him learn and grow. You see him I change. was going to say almost the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm about to have a son. Like yeah. literally any day, yeah. And congratulations! If, he, if we ever get into some kind of caper together, yeah, and he betrays me like this, yeah, like he's gonna be dead to me, yeah, yeah. You're a father, Jack. Did you think about that from from yeah, I would ex- the father's I would, perspective? No, I didn't. But now that I do, I would expect my boy but to be I, loyal, right? If you're pointing a gun at someone, it is very undermining to not go along with it as a kid. And just be like, all right, dad, you heard what my dad, uh, you you heard what my dad like said. You think he's feeling angsty? 
Yeah, yeah. He's like no. rebelling. Yeah, and that's too bad. But it is, I don't know, it opens the door for a potential relationship. Do we see do you think we're going to see more of Mitch in these um in these stories? I don't think so. Doesn't he go to jail? What a waste of a good snack. Yeah, throw that snack right in the trash. Yeah. Um no, he doesn't go to jail. But we're okay. we don't forget about what's going on meanwhile at the plant because we've got Nicholas and Elizabeth working real hard. Oh, oh yeah. that's true. And Nicholas is also a snack. So like yeah. even though we're losing Mitch, Nick right. is sticking around for a while. So Sweet Valley it's so, a snack cabinet. Yeah. And so is Bruce Pac-Man. Or as I call him Bruce oh, Bruce yeah. Snack Man. Bruce Snack Man, yeah. That's that's uh, that's a pretty Strong disambiguation <laughs> from his original name of Bruce Patman uh-huh, with a yeah. T in the middle. Yeah, but yeah. I can sorry, see you, how you, you got there. Did you say Bruce Snackman? Sorry, I can't. Did you I, say I, Bruce? Uh, sorry, did you say Bruce Pacman? <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm hearing Patman from both sides. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. So, uh, but yeah, so that's a lot of snacks, and they are about to uh, get into the second part of their plan that involves them fucking up the plan and all getting held at gunpoint. Well, yep. like simultaneously to this whole Denson thing, we've got Elizabeth. She chases after Regina and Claire, but of course she's already met Claire. She went to Claire's front door at the beginning of the book. So the first thing out of Claire's mouth when she sees this girl who claims to be from the newspaper uh-huh. and she's doing an interview about computers or something, she's looking for her directions and she's just trying to hold them up for a few minutes uh, Some for some reason. So the police can come. Um, Oh, oh, right. Because Nicholas is calling the police. That's right. So when Claire says, aren't you the girl that came to my door the other day? She says, no, I'm her twin sister, <laughs> which would be a great cover if Claire knew that, like, there were really twins. I mean, it's true she's a twin, but like. No, it sounds like, like a fake story. It sounds yeah. like a fake story. It's brilliant. I, uh, no, I'm her twin sister and I am a uh Census taker. <laughs> Surely you've heard of the beautiful blonde aqua-eyed census taker that's a 16 who's been going around the town. And you know what's weird is that Claire would have heard about that. That's what she should have said. Yeah. From Mitch. Mitch would have been like, oh, the weirdest thing it's happened. The census takers. Yeah, there we go. But anyway, it doesn't work at all because then, you know, Denson shows up and everybody shows up at the same time. And it's just like total chaos. There's guns, you guys. There's yeah. guns. There are never guns in these books. I think a, a so many shot guns. goes off too, right? Or maybe not. I yeah, no. Claire, she fires a gun and she luckily she misses, but if she hadn't been such a bad shot, um like somebody would be dead. I don't know which one. Snack if man, it was, I think. The Pac-Man? Yeah, either him or Nicholas or uh Mr. Morrow. Be, the idea of losing two snacks in one day. Oh tragic imagine <laughs> yeah well nobody's died yet and yeah. mitch doesn't go to prison <laughs> so we can still count him as as part of the snack okay. uh, gonna, collection the good snack thing he got to prison they would tear him apart in there <laughs> oh no such a snack <laughs> Um, there is this amazing moment when Nicholas and Bruce, like, both lunge for Phil Denson at the same time. Like, not planned. It just happens that way. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Very exciting stuff. Bad plan. Very bad plan. The, their plan involved getting taken at gunpoint not once but twice. Right. And almost dying not once but twice. Right. And, and only, way- only through unplanned incompetence on the part of the hostage takers. And the only reason the police even actually come is because not only did Nicholas call, but also Mr. Morrow himself was able to get on the phone from his car phone or something. Like in the brief moment 
like so the the police had had some real right like you know multiple sources that told them this gun wielding crime was going on so they finally got off their asses and went this crime was like foiled when the stony brook police not stony brook what's the name of the city sweet valley sweet valley police got involved which is something that should have happened in chapter one <laughs> like yeah yeah that's how, that's how they crimes, were phoned. that's yeah. how you prevent crimes elizabeth yeah. and jessica yeah yeah. yeah, I would love for the epilogue of this book to have been about how that police chief got fired, but we all know how difficult it is to no. get those guys The uh, epilogue out. of this book was about another dish, who I like to call blonde, good-looking... Ken Matthews. Matthews. Captain of the football team, and something is going on between him and... Can I say this on the show? Hands off Hanlon. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. can. That's what they call her. Uh, I don't call but her... But the listeners will not know who you're talking about. You like that name, Jack? You think that's a fun, funny name to call her? Someone who's I, just, like stands up for her bodily autonomy? And I am a reporter and a journalist first. And you think it's very funny. These teenage boys like to grope her against her will. And when she says no, they start calling her hands off handle. And you're like, oh, I love that. I think it's very funny. I am just reporting that that is indeed what she is called. And it is my burn of the week this week. <laughs> Ooh. okay well um tanner did you have a burn of the week yeah um, okay well while tanner's looking up his burner of the week we should explain yeah. the uh what you're talking about jack thank you i'm glad it's funny i was like you and i have the same instincts which <laughs> wow. is it's uh, but like we ended up talking over each other just now because we have the same instincts and i was like no i gotta barge through i need to explain to the gladiators what burn of the week is <laughs> Tanner likes to leave all things unexplained. And so I'm used to when someone, I'd be like, no, we can't blow past this. A lot of people have no idea. Burn of the week is when we talk about the burn of the week. It's kind of right in the title. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was actually hoping we could explain to the listeners who the hell Suzanne Hanlon is. Because uh, they don't know. Yeah, we should talk about who uh, Hands Off Hanlon is. She is um, a snob. More snobby. Yeah, she loves poetry. She loves That's yeah. too high minded for these Sweet Valley kids. Even Elizabeth thinks so, despite the fact that there's been a lot of poetry in this series already. She loves poetry so much. And what she what is she doing with Ken Matthews, captain of the football team? He's better than that to be with a Grooming poetry him. snob. But Meanwhile, Ken Matthews is failing English, so that's a little bit confusing. Maybe Suzanne will help him with English. That's I think that's what's going on. That's the arrangement they've made? Yeah. Uh, we'll find out in the next book. And she, they call her Hands Off Hanlon because she respects her own bodily autonomy. And, and don't try to, don't try to backpedal. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see if they call her Hands Off Hanlon in the next book, or if that's just something that Jessica made up to try to stir the shit in this book. But uh, Tanner, why don't you share your burn of the week with us? Okay. <laughs> uh, they get this letter from. Regina. And they're reading it out loud. Bruce Bruce is reading it, and then he's in disbelief. <clears throat> Bruce had turned on the light, and he was reading the letter he found beneath Regina's window. Take a look at this if you really want to get scared, he muttered, tossing the folded paper and headlight onto Elizabeth's lap. Elizabeth read the letter as quickly as Jessica's interruptions would allow. So Jessica kept interrupting her. And she just <laughs> yeah, it was your letter. burn on Jessica. The burn is on Jessica. Good. I have a burn too, you guys. Mm -hmm. Can I share it with you? Yes. Yeah. She says as if it's not her podcast. This is a. This is going to be a surprise burn. You guys never saw this burn coming. Okay. 
I'm sure I'm the only one that captured this. Can I get anyone anything else to drink? Coffee or tea? Bruce asked, coming out to the patio with a tray of sandwiches and a large pitcher of juice. It was early Saturday afternoon. Jessica shook her head, marveling. Your parents should go away more often, Bruce. You're turning into an independent bachelor right before our eyes. Bruce looked sheepish. Actually, Maria left the sandwiches out, he admitted. Maria was the Patman's cook. <laughs> Everyone laughed, and the tension that had settled over the four eased somewhat. So that's a burn. Is on- it a burn on the working class? Um, it's a burn on both the working class and a burn on Bruce for not yeah. being able to make sandwiches. Yeah. Jessica's like, oh, wow, you did the bare minimum uh, amount of work that a person could do who has guests. Yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, oh, no. That was Maria. I love the Pac-Man's dedication to like English high society. Well, can like, I? Yeah. Can they I did say the this? English Garden in book one. Oh and yeah. Now they're doing like tea time with like <laughs> tea sandwiches and tea. But think about the beautiful poetic irony that Bruce Snackman can't make a snack, man. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, wow! My mind is blown. What Francine? It's just layers upon layers with her. And I love yeah. that. And I know she's not a good person. All he knows how to it. cook is small white pellets. Because <laughs> he's, pa- he's Pac-Man. Now that we've reached the end of the book, I have an important question for you guys. I asked a question I asked all of my guests, and it is, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? Okay. And you guys don't have to be the same thing like a collective Jack and Tanner is. Okay. Like you can be your own men individually. That's a, it's such a difficult question because they're both. <laughs> it's a really difficult so question. I'm a Bruce Pac-Man. in different ways. You're a Bruce Pac-Man? Yeah. Okay. That's the fair answer. You're allowed to Handsome, cheat. Handsome, snack. Uh, very wealthy. Very wealthy. Drives a. Selfless, selfless. Like will date deaf girls. No problem. Can make a sandwich. Uh, can make a sandwich or have someone make a sandwich for me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Better. Um, and how about you, Jack? Is there someone in the, and I know this isn't a, a fair answer to your question, but is there someone in the series who is smart like Elizabeth and cool like Jessica, but isn't a Wakefield? Maybe their brother. Uh, I yeah. mean, oh yeah, actually a little bit of a Steven. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you might be a Nicholas Morrow. Oh. No, you're that dork. You're that Regina. dork who's friends with Elizabeth. Enid? Enid? Enid. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm an Enid. Enid. Weenie Enie. I'm Enie Weenie. What's her name? What's her Enid name? Her name is Enid Rollins, but she's uh, Jessica often refers to her as Enie. Jessica's yeah, got the good um, nicknames. Maybe I'm a Jessica. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's clever in this book. Yeah. Jessica is good in this crime. book. Jessica, this is a good book for Jessica. She she puts up a good uh, a good front or what i don't know what word i'm trying to say Marissa, here's how you know that i actually am an elizabeth is that i i unlike tanner do feel the need to come back and actually answer your question as it was phrased <laughs> yeah i'm and like it's been like weighing on me that we didn't actually fairly and equitably answer your question in a way that is moral and right and in the spirit of the way that it was asked and the fact that that is true means that i must be an insufferable Goody two shoes. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, listeners or um, gladiators, as maybe we should call them forever now, mm-hmm. uh, if if you'll allow me to to take that uh, and run with it, will be aware that Francine Pascal actually at one point uh, wrote a little note the beginning of a book, uh, a dear reader, if you will, Ooh. and um, she says that she came up with Jessica and Elizabeth as 
uh, the like ego and id, like the good and evil. So she really intends it to be that black and white. So it makes sense. You know, you guys are a good duo. Yeah. Together. That makes sense. How do you feel about that? Elizabeth Wakefield and Bruce Pacman. (laughs) (laughs) What a combo. Oh, okay. Well, you guys, thank you so much for being here. This has been a real honor and privilege for me to sort of, I feel almost as if I was a guest on your show. (laughs) That's what happens when you're on a show with Jack. He kind of just takes over. (laughs) Yeah, but it was fun for me. Um, Listeners, check out Babysitter's Club Club. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, tell your friends about Sweet Valley Diaries and do all the things, you know, send me an email, sweetvalleydiaries at me.com because I uh, started at Sweet Valley Diaries Black as a blog Sport. a long time ago. No, it's just M-E. Okay. Oh, were you like, in that But cool, I am Marissa Flaxbury. Uh, like Sweet Valley mm. Snark Blogging Collective? That That's a thing, right? Like Sweet Valley and BSC, like live journaling? Back in the old days? Sort of. Yeah, it, back in the old days. Um, in 2010, when uh, Sweet Valley Confidential, 10 years later, came out, I actually went to Ooh, New York to good. talk to the St. Martin's Press people about the books. Amazing. because uh, You were an authority? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's legendary. I'm, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that nod from Scholastic. Yeah. <laughs> we're I know, bringing back the right? PSC and we need you to come in, Tanner. Yeah. It'll come. Tanner, Jack, it's going to come yeah. for you guys. One of these. They're days. afraid of us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm at Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram. That's where I like to do stuff. Uh, where can people find uh, you guys doing things? Oh boy, I guess just on our podcast. Um, yeah, babysittersclubclub.com. And wherever you subscribe to podcasts, and if you want to go to babysittersclubclub.com, that's got all our info there. And you can see the current loser of the Wandering Frog game, which is Jack Shepard. Great. That's that'll be no no context needed. it's such an amazing show if you're listening to this one and enjoying it you're definitely going to enjoy the other one because you definitely read babysitter's club when you were growing up i predict Mm -hmm. or predict is not really the word but you know looking into the past whatever the word for that is yeah past predict and our girls are nicer yeah yeah well maybe we should talk more about that on extra drama next week Mm. is that a good idea i love it Mm. All right. Oh, I have something that we need to do. Does either one of you have the book in front of him? Yes. So how do you want to do it? You want me to say the second part and you can say the first part? Or do you want to read it together? Let's read it at the exact same time, but I'm going to actually mute myself so that um, I'm going to start and you come in with me, but I'm going to mute myself so that I don't hear you since we're on a delay. Okay. Does that work for you, Marissa? It does. Yeah. I'm going to start. You ready to come in with me? Yeah. Will Will Suzanne Suzanne succeed in changing changing Ken? Ken? Find out in Sweet Valley High, number 27, Love Struck. How'd that sound? I couldn't hear you, so I didn't know if that was at all in sync. It felt pretty good to me. I think that it's going to be amazing. Yeah, great. It's just such a simple task, and we took so long to do it. <laughs> such a complicated task. Um, okay, so I have res- I have started recording here. Me too. Um, I, I you I'll let you I'll let you run the show, Marissa. I'm so used to he's I'm so re- used he's to really being... resisting a lot no, of urges no, right now. I, I can see him struggling I love it. to not. I'm so take used to over. being in the in the driver's seat. It's a <laughs> it's, it's such a relief because if I didn't if I didn't take charge 
our show would be like we would literally never talk about the Babysitters Club. I think of myself as like a lump of clay, and Jack is the artist, and he molds me into a beautiful work of art. Yeah, yeah. What's a sculptor without his clay? You know? Yeah. Nothing. Just a just a pair of beautiful hands. <laughs>